Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts or turn on your device and load it up. The book of Acts chapter 1. We're going to examine the story of, of one of the most obscure characters in the New Testament. He's only mentioned in this passage. We don't know much about him beyond Uh, this passage. In fact, the Bible doesn't say anything else about him except this passage. Acts chapter 1, but we do know from history something else. But anyway, we're going to look at this uh, passage and look for um, hope, for some encouragement today. I don't know about you, but I can use some good news, right? Aren't you tired of the bad news? Seems like every time we turn around, we've just had all the bad news we can handle. They find out a way to give us more bad news. And I'm tired of the bad news. I need some good news in my life, something that's like positive and encouraging. And today, we're going to hear some good news uh, from this character as we examine this story. We're actually going to start up close, and we're going to zoom out and get a wide-angle look at this man and his calling and his life. Betsy's a part of a text thread with some other friends, and there's a lady in the church It's a little older than most of the ladies in the text thread, and she's sending a, an encouraging word uh, every week to the text thread, and this is what she sent last week. It says, sweet friends, thought for the day. Don't worry if plan A fails. There are 25 more letters in the alphabet. <laughs> and then one of them replied with this, been through that alphabet back and forth so many times. I'm walking backwards now just like I am in the grocery store, going into the aisles the wrong way. I had a poor lady yesterday question herself if she was going the right way. I said, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm going the wrong way. That's life. Anybody feel like that? Isn't that what it feels like? It's like, man, I'm, I'm not on plan A. I, I may be on plan K or J or Z. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. Man, I need some good news. I need something that says, hey, there's, there is some way to be a blessing in the midst of adversity. There is a way to thrive in the midst of adversity. Can I remind you that most of Scripture, almost all of the narratives in the Bible are in the midst of adversity. Hard things come in people's way, sometimes of their own making oftentimes just like what we're dealing with, something we have nothing to deal with, nothing to do with, excuse me, but we've got to deal with it. In this passage we're going to read today in Acts chapter 1, there's a situation happening just like this, and we're going to learn from Matthias, the 13th apostle. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read two sections of Acts chapter 1, read starting in verse 12, and then we're going to jump down to verse 21. Starting in verse 12, you can read along, it's uh, up on the screens as well. Then they returned to Jerusalem. By the way, this is right after the ascension. Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, on earth for 40 days among the disciples and the apostles, and then raised again in the ascension, gone to heaven, raised up. So, and then this is happening. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered Jerusalem, they went to the upper room, which, by the way, is a familiar place to them, where they were staying. Then Luke, who wrote this, lists all the apostles. 
Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and Judas, the son of James, not Judas Iscariot. There are 11 names there, the 11 apostles. These all with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Then we're going to skip 15 to 20, which tells the story of Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. And we're going to jump back to 21, and Peter is talking. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all of the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become a witness to his resurrection. And they put forth two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who is also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas has turned aside to go to his own place. And verse 26, and they cast lots for them, and they fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Today, I want to encourage you that we can thrive in the midst of adversity. If we, if we follow the pattern of the responses that Matthias had in this situation, what was his response? First response from Matthias was that he answered his number when he was called. If we want to thrive, we got to answer when our number is called. I like the way the New Testament describes this. It says he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Earlier describing Judas, it says he was numbered, but he, he bailed, he, he betrayed. By the way, they needed to replace him not because he died, which he did, but because he betrayed and didn't repent. And that's why he needed to be replaced. And, and what does it mean to be an apostle? By the way, you know, his number was called, Matthias' number was called. He was invited to be a part, but he'd been a part of this group from the beginning. Peter says, we're going to pick somebody that's been a part of this since the baptism that John baptized Jesus in the River Jordan. From then all the way to the ascension that we just saw, we need somebody that was there for all of this. Matthias was there for that. And then, then he, he was also part of the 70. There's a time when Jesus sent out the 70 two by two to go to different places, carrying the gospel. And he said he was part of that. And now he's here. And earlier it says there were 120 disciples gathered there, including the 11 apostles. So what's the difference in an apostle and a disciple? All apostles are disciples. Disciples, a learner, a student. Everybody who's a student of Jesus is disciples. By the way, we are disciples. Apostles were those who were chosen to carry the message. The, the, the term actually means messenger. And they were the ones that were chosen to carry the message around the earth so that all nations could hear the message of Jesus. There were 12, and actually uh, Paul became an apostle. He would be the 14th because one bailed. They ended up being 12, right? Because one was out, now 12, and the 13th or 14th, whatever, would be the apostle Paul. And these people had to verify and testify to the resurrection so here you have Matthias. He's been with Jesus all of this time. So in essence, he was apostle material in a disciple's role. He was an apostle material. He had everything he needed. He was qualified. He had all the qualifications. And he's still in an apostle role. Some of you today, you're sitting here and you've got qualifications. You're, the material in you, what you're made of is beyond what you're being used at right now. And God is saying to you, I'm calling your number. 
There's something bigger for you. There's something better for you. There's something beyond what you're doing today and I'm calling you to do it and I'm raising you up and I'm calling you out. It could be as simple as having a conversation with somebody who's a different race from you to, to learn what it means to, to be in the situation that somebody else is in to express concern and sympathy. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a family relationship that you need to step into. Maybe there's brokenness and you need to run towards the, that relationship to heal and make it right. God is saying to you, you're an apostle material and a disciple's role and I'm calling you up, I'm calling you out. I'm, there's something better for you. There's something more for you. If we want to thrive in the midst of adversity, we need to answer when our number is called. What Matthias did is he was preparing for what was in his heart. He was preparing to be an apostle, but he was accepting what was in his hand. I'm going to be a disciple. He was doing that. That's exactly where he was. And many of you are right in that same place today. You're, you got something bigger in your heart, something something more that God is calling you to, and yet you're saying, okay, this is what I've got today. And sometimes in the midst of adversity is when God begins to say, hey, I'm calling your number. There's something for you to do. There's a place for you to go, a person for you to connect with. Maybe you're going to be a minister of reconciliation for me. Maybe you're going to carry the gospel. If we want to thrive in the midst of adversity, we got to be ones who answer our number when called. Secondly, the response we have to have, the second response is we got to embrace an unknown future. That's really what Matthias was doing. The disciples, by the way, the apostles, excuse me, had really no idea what was coming their way. And they were really confused about it. Earlier in chapter 1 in verse 6, we won't read it, but I'll tell you what it says. It's right before the ascension. It's the last conversation the apostles have with Jesus. The very last one while he's here on earth. And they ask him a question that they've asked over and over and over again. And the question is this, is this the time that you're going to establish your kingdom, Israel? You know what they're saying? Is this the time you're going to free us from Rome? They're going all the way back to what they've been saying all along. Remember when they said one day, who's going to be the greatest when you, when you establish your kingdom? It was the same question. Like, is this the day you're going to do that? They're still looking for the kingdom on this earth. They're still looking for an empire. Jesus, I can't imagine what he was how he would respond to that except what he tells him is you're asking when you need to ask what and how stop asking me when and in in this setting these men had no idea what was coming their way and most of us don't either I can't even tell you what church is going to look like a year from now I can't tell you what sports are going to look like tell you what entertainment's going to look like who knows who knows what retail is going to be like? Who knows what movie theaters and uh, who knows? We don't. And if you want to thrive in the midst of adversity, you got to say, you know what? I'm willing to embrace an unknown future. I'm willing to go where God tells me to go, even if I don't know what it looks like on the other side. I'm ready to go. Sometimes the biggest obstacles to us embracing that future. Obstacle number one is the way things used to be. We always want things the way they used to be. I get it all the time. When are we going to have church the way we used to? Right? We all want that. The other obstacle is the way we think things are supposed to be. That's what the apostles were asking him in Acts chapter 1. When are you going to set your kingdom right? When are you going to free us from Rome? 
Sometimes that's what we're looking for. When is the government going to get it right? When are we going to have the right president? When are we going to get the right Congress? When are we going to get all this right, Jesus? Why don't, you, why don't you set it all right, the way things are supposed to be or the way things used to be? You want to thrive in the midst of adversity? Embrace an unknown future. That's what these men did. They had no idea what was coming their way. In fact, some of them, I mean, if it would have been me, knowing might have kept me from going, right? These all men were martyred. They died for their faith. Sometimes an unknown future is a hard place to go, but you want to thrive in the midst of adversity? Let's walk to an unknown future. Can I tell you a little secret? Sometimes when adversity walks in the door, opportunity sneaks right in with it. This is a season when there could be opportunity coming your way like never before. Some of you are having opportunities at work because things have changed and the landscape is different and somebody's saying to you, hey, I need you to do something new. You don't know what the future is, but your number's being called and you gotta step into something that you've never done before. Some of you, it's time for you to make a marriage commitment, a relationship commitment. There's, there's a place for you to go. There's some step for you to take and God is saying to you, hey, I'm calling your number. You gotta take a step to a future that you really don't know. Sometimes when adversity comes our way, opportunity sneaks in the door. And don't miss, don't miss it because it's not the way it used to be and it's not the way it's supposed to be. Instead, step right in, just like the apostles did. They said, we don't know what's coming, but we're ready to accept it. We know that even though there's adversity, there's opportunity accompanying. Response number three, if we want to thrive, we have to rely on the prompting and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to rely on what this, and let me tell you what the setting is. These men are in the upper room. Actually, it's not just men, because Mary, the mother of Jesus, and other women were there too, but they're in the upper room. About 120 of them gathered. The windows are closed. The door is locked. The candles are burning dimly because they do not want to be found. They do not want to be identified. They do not want anybody to know where they are or who they are. Their leader was killed brutally, and they're afraid. The Bible says that, the story says that they were they were devoting themselves to prayer. It was not a loud worship service where they were singing and praising and raising their hands. That hadn't started yet. This was a prayer of desperation. This was a prayer of we don't know what to do. What are we supposed to do from here? And the beautiful thing is they're in this, they're in this place between the ascension and Pentecost. They're in between the two and they don't know what's coming and they're huddled in this room afraid, maybe even petrified because what's coming our way, we don't know what's coming. In chapter two, verse two, I'll just read it for you. It says this, in that room and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. You know what that wind was? It was the Holy Spirit. If we want to thrive in the midst of adversity, we must rely on the Holy Spirit's prompting and his power to help us. It's the only way we can thrive. 
Reality is, the things that God's calling us to, if we could do it on our own, would it be inspiring at all anyway? Aren't the things that God's calling us to beyond us? Aren't they bigger than us? Isn't the assignment overwhelming? If you're not stepping into an overwhelming assignment, you're not yet stepping into what God has for you. Where God had them is a place that they didn't know what to do. They're desperately praying to God, help us, we're not sure what to do. And in the midst of that, he sends his Holy Spirit that changes everything. In this setting, Peter hasn't even preached his first sermon. And shortly after, he's preaching the gospel. And 3,000 got saved that day in Jerusalem. I I don't think they had a beautiful baptism service that way. It says they were baptized. My theory is they baptized themselves. Y'all just walk in the river and down and up you go. How else do you baptize 3,000 people at once? Right? His first sermon, that's the power of the Spirit. I want us to be a people who embrace a future that may scare and overwhelm us. I got to tell you, when this thing started, man, the thought of us not gathering together, I mean, there's a, a few hundred of us here today, but This is a far cry from what used to gather and the thought that we would be able to do church this way and and we would actually see people baptized or we would collect offerings that would sustain us or better yet, we're reaching thousands by those television cameras and the videos that are going out. Who would have ever thought we could do that? It seems so overwhelming. And today, I want to invite us as a people. I want us to thrive. Anybody want to thrive in the midst of adversity? There's a headwind coming our way. Don't we want to, don't we want to be God's people in the midst of that? What it takes is, even though it may feel like a dark room today, and even though we may want to shutter the windows and, and hunker down, we need to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to invite the Holy Spirit to prompt us and empower us for all the work he wants to do in us and through us. And when we do that, we can thrive in the midst of adversity. In Psalms, the way King David would do this, he expresses this coming of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Holy Spirit would come and go for special occasions, for special purposes. When there was a need for the Spirit of God, people would pray for the Spirit of God. And the way the Hebrew Scriptures describe it, the Spirit of God would come in and be there and then retreat back to the Father. But Pentecost changed all that. Jesus said, somebody is coming to live with you, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit is coming to live with you and in you and to empower you and direct you and prompt you. And this Spirit... Um, is who lives in us now. David used to pray it this way. He'd say, swing open the gates and let let the king of glory come. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what we're asking today? Even though it may seem like we're hunkered into a dark room and the windows are closed and the doors are locked, we can say, oh, king of glory, swing open the windows and fling open the doors and come on in and fill us and empower us to be who you want us to be. We can thrive in the midst of a difficult situation, in the midst of everything coming our way, and they can bring more tomorrow. We can thrive, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Today, let's pray for that. (laughs) 
I want to give you two questions for you to consider later on today. And then I want to, want to invite us to enter a time of prayer where we're inviting this spirit to help us be people who, who ready, are ready to respond and answer the call. And we're ready to embrace a future that's, that's not sure and it's unknown for us. And we're ready to, to, to depend on the Holy Spirit and his prompting and his power in us. The two questions I want to give you first is God calling my number. Is he calling your number? There's something he said to you, hey, now's the time. I've got something for you. Is he asking you to do something specific? Maybe it's a reconciliatory conversation. Maybe it's something with your family. Maybe it's something financially. Maybe it's a gift you're supposed to do or a way you're supposed to live. What is God asking you specifically to do that you need to answer his call? Number two, how can I better respond in this season to something God is asking me to do? We just talked about some things you could do. You know, embrace a future that's unknown. Maybe step up and answer the call. Maybe depend on the Spirit. God is calling all of us to assignments that are beyond ourselves. They seem impossible to us today. And that's right where He wants us. Because when it's impossible for us, it's very possible for Him. He wants us to call on Him and ask for His Spirit. A few weeks ago, uh, in one of our worship songs, I was seated right over here. Actually, I was standing singing. And in the midst of one of those songs, something distracted my eye. It startled me. I, I jumped for a second because it was one of our members named Adam Borland. Adam is a ballet dancer. Some of you may have seen him dance before. Some, sometimes on different weekends, when he just kind of gets overwhelmed with the, the worship and standing and singing and raising his hands is not enough, Adam's been known to just break out in ballet. And that particular day, he'd gotten a running start. And uh, he was headed this way uh, down here, and I saw him out of the corner of my eye flinch for a second, and then he went about dancing, and it was a beautiful thing. And by the way, when I close my eyes, that's how I dance too, right? Just like that. <laughs> and... Um, he went back to his seat when it was over and we finished the service and just felt prompted to go speak to him. So um, after the service, I went over. I know this has been a really hard time for Adam. He works for Orlando Ballet and they're virtually shut down right now, not doing anything. And I don't know his particular financial situation, but I can only imagine it's very difficult. And so um, I surmised in my head that that's probably why he was dancing was the pain he's walking through. So I went over to see him and I said, hey, Adam, I just want to tell you I appreciated your dancing today and it meant a lot to me to see you worship that way and, and I take joy in watching you use your gift to worship the Lord that way. And, and he looked at me and he said, hey, Danny, have you seen my giving record lately? And by the way, I do not see your giving record, okay? But somehow people think that I do and, and and I've had people ask me that before. And when they ask me that, they're asking me that because they haven't given. And they're embarrassed. And so I said, hey, Adam, it's okay. I know it's a difficult season and, and you don't need to explain anything to me. God understands your heart. And he, and he, no, no, Danny, Danny, you got it wrong, man. He said, you need to look at my giving record. 
I've given more in the last two months than I've given in my whole life. He said, I, you know, they shut down the ballet and I didn't know what to do. And so I, I put a video of myself dancing on the internet and said, I can teach you how to do this. And people started writing in or signing up or whatever. I don't know exactly how he set it up, but he started through online, he started teaching people how to do ballet, how to do what he does. I haven't signed up yet, by the way, but he, he's teaching people how to do ballet. And he's making more money than he's ever made before. And he's able to, yeah, that's an amazing thing. And he's able to fuel the kingdom. He's being a blessing to us and to you, to others. Because in the midst of adversity, he stepped into something that he never imagined he'd be able to do. And he's seeing God bless it in the midst. Today, I want us to... I want us to pray. The window's closed and it's dark. And we need to open the window and let the light in. And we need to say, invite the King of glory to come in and to fill us and to give us his strength and his power. You know what? It's been dark before and they got through it. It was dark to the disciples, but it was also dark in, in the 1900s. If you were born in 1900, listen to this. If you were born in 1900, on your 14th birthday, war, World War I begins and it ends on your 18th birthday. And 22 million people perish in that war. Later in the year, a Spanish flu epidemic hits the planet and runs until your 20th birthday and 50 million people die in those two years. Yes, 50 million. On your 29th birthday, the Great Depression begins. Unemployment hits 25% and the world GDP drops 27%. That runs until you're 33 and the country nearly collapses along with the world economy. When you turn 39, World War II starts. On your 41st birthday, the U.S. is fully pulled into World War II, and between your 39th and 45th birthday, 75 million people perish in that war. The smallpox epidemic existed when you were born and lasted until you were in your 40s. It killed 300 million people in your lifetime. And at 50, the Korean War starts, and 5 million people perish from your birth until you're 55. You've dealt with the fear of polio epidemics every summer. You experience friends and family contracting polio and being paralyzed and many dying. At 55, the Vietnam War begins and it doesn't end for 20 years and 4 million people perish in that conflict. And during the Cold War, you lived each and every day with the fear of nuclear annihilation. On your 62nd birthday, you have a Cuban Missile Crisis, a tipping point in the Cold War and life on our planet as we know it almost ended. And when you turn 75, the Vietnam War finally ends. It's dark, but the Spirit moved. People prayed, and the light came in. The light shone, and gospel flourished, and people were baptized, and this church existed during that whole entire scenario, and it's still here today. And that's the way it happens. Today, we're going to do the same thing the disciples were doing. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in 
Invite him in. King of glory, you come, fill us. Cause us to be the men and women you want us to be. And we'll represent you anywhere, Jesus. We'll do anything you ask us to do. And we're gonna embrace the future that you have for us, even though we don't know what it is. And we're gonna answer our number when you call us and do whatever it is you assign us to do by the power of the Spirit in us. God, I pray that you would send your Spirit to fill us. I pray, God, cause us to be your men and women to make a difference everywhere. Use us however you can, however you will. We're instruments in your hand. We're clay for you to mold and make however you want. We will follow and we will do whatever you tell us to do. I pray, God, help us to see the opportunity in the midst of the adversity. Help us to embrace everything that you have for us. We pray it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week. Spirit moved. People prayed and the light came in. The light shone and gospel flourished and people were baptized and this church existed during that whole entire scenario and it's still here today. And that's the way it happens. Today, we're going to do the same thing the disciples were doing. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in, invite him in. King of glory, you come, fill us. Cause us to be the men and women you want us to be, and we'll represent you anywhere, Jesus. We'll do anything you ask us to do, and we're going to embrace the future that you have for us, even though we don't know what it is. And we're going to answer our number when you call us and do whatever it is you assign us to do by the power of the Spirit in us. God, I pray that you would send your spirit to fill us. I pray, God, cause us to be your men and women to make a difference everywhere. Use us however you can, however you will. We're instruments in your hand. We're clay for you to mold and make however you want. We will follow and we will do whatever you tell us to do. I pray, God, help us to see the opportunity in the midst of the adversity. Help us to embrace everything that you have for us. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.